Hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. At the time of recording this, I am currently on vacation, and I took the day off, and I'm actually way more tired than I normally would be during a normal work day because I did manual labor. And I have to tell you something. Manual labor is awful, okay? I'm not meant to do it. I'm a delicate little boy, and I need to be kept indoors like a house cat. So the episode today, I've actually been wanting to do for a while. Um, I go way back to the University of Florida days with my friend Asha, who's on the show today with her husband, Jake. And we've remained social media friends uh, over the years here. And I followed her and her husband, Jake's adoption story. And I just thought it was such a beautiful thing and wanted to know a little bit more about the story. And I got to be honest, there there are some things in life that I just don't know if I will ever have the answer to. And I've, I've resolved that I think it's okay, but it still frustrates me. And the story of people, people that I think are like just good, decent people wanting to have children and not being able to have children, I don't know if I will ever get an answer to that. And it's just one of those mysteries of life along with many other questions we all have. But I'm so happy to share this story that Jake and Asha shared with me today because it might not give you an answer to that question but it will at least show you that there is hope out there and there is uh, a purpose beyond what we can understand. Even when it's frustrating and even when we don't have the answers, there is still a reason to hope. And I hope this episode encourages you like it did me. And I just think it's one of the most beautiful episodes uh, we've had yet. So I'm very excited to share this with you. We are here today with uh, some old college friends of mine, uh, Jake and Asha, and to word it like my wa- wife did. So I have you guys' name on my our shared Gmail calendar, and she's like, are you interviewing the uh, Huton, Huntos? <laughs> it's like, that was close. <laughs> no, like, it's been a long day. So I'm here with Jake and Asha Junto, or do not. <laughs> Um, and, uh, where do you guys live now? So we went to school at UF together, uh, like, Oh God, way too long ago now, but where are you located? And, uh, tell us a little bit about your life. We live in Pensacola, Florida. Now we actually just relocated. We were in Orlando for about eight years. Um, and we just relocated to the panhandle to be close to family. Um, our little one is just eight months younger than our niece. And so we just have always wanted cousins to grow up together and, you know, grandparents to be around and that sort of thing. So we have moved back here. We actually just moved into our home. We, um, bought a fixer upper of our own, which is fun and fitting because our sweet baby was actually born in Waco, Texas. So we've got our little Magnolia connection. So got him and then decided let's go for it. So we bought a fixer upper and did renovations for felt like forever. Felt like forever. About four to six months. Oh my goodness. Were you in the house the whole time doing it? No. Thankfully no. Just, Just wrapping a few things up out we were living here, but yeah, most of for you. We got in, yeah. Yeah, man. So. When we go looking for houses, I'm always like, "Give me the one with the least amount of work," because I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't deal with it. We, we had a pool put in, and it sent me into anxiety levels I've never <laughs> experienced in my life. <laughs> and nobody understood either, because I was like, "Oh, this pool is really stressing me out." They're like, "Oh, is your pool hard for you?" I felt like I could Kardashian complaining about my latte being wrong or something like that. But right. yeah, it's house projects are so stressful. So, so you guys moved into a home, renovated and adopted a child all in the same year. 
Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And moved across the state and my husband got a new job. So it was like literally every major Man. life change <laughs> happened in 2020. Yeah. And then on just... top of like 2020 as what it was already. So, right. We should yeah. just be interviewing you guys about how did you stay married through this whole process? <laughs> yes. oh, so, so um, Asha and I met years ago during the Gator Growl 2000, was it 2008, 2009, something like that? Uh, probably. One of, the, one yeah, of those years. Because my junior year, yes. Yeah, so okay. It was my junior year, so fall would have been 2008, yes. So if you guys, if anybody in Central Florida was at Gator Growl during that year, you probably saw Asha on stage, and I was one of the creative director guys, and so we got to work together, then met Jake through Asha, and so tell us a little bit about how long you guys have been married, and a little bit of your backstory, and then, you know, obviously today we're talking about adoption, so maybe work in the story of, like, kids, was it always in the plans, and uh, just walk us through a little bit of that story. Yeah, so we've been, we'll be married 10 years this September, so it's been about nine and a half years now. And yeah, I'd say, I'd say we started thinking about starting a family probably about six years ago. And I think we just kind of, we, we had a really great time, just the two of us for four years in our, the beginning part of our marriage. And uh, then just decided it was time and we thought it was going to be super easy and mm-hmm. things would just happen. And you start a family because that's how it just, that's how we knew it to happen with our friends and family and things like that. Um, and then it didn't, and then it just kind of, you know, one year became two years, became three years, became four and yeah, it kind of threw us into this whole whirlwind of, you know, infertility and just what that looks like. And we met a lot of great people that were also going through stuff like that. And, you know, just things that people don't talk about as much. I feel like it's a really kind of private, uh, personal thing. A lot of times, almost like a, you almost feel a little ashamed, uh, until you open up. And then once you open up, it's like, man, there's so many people going through it. So right. it turned into just a crazy five-year run to, yeah. yeah, six-year run to eventually adopt in JP, which you know, was kind of the culmination of a lot of craziness and heartache, a lot of good times, growth and things like that. But yeah, it was definitely a wild ride. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, how you guys started trying about four years into your marriage, how long until you consider adoption was adoption? One of those things that was maybe always in the back of your mind of like, Oh yes, yeah, someday we'd like to do that. Or did it, did it kind of come as a result of um, the efforts to get pregnant and, and not being able to, or how did that progression take place? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I've always thought adoption was so beautiful, but never thought it was something that, you know, and I say this in air quotes and I say it with a, a, it breaks my own heart to say this, but I mean, just honestly, this is how I saw it was like, it would be, it would never be something that we would have to do. Um, you know, I grew up around friends and family who like getting pregnant was like drinking water to them. So I just never (laughs) knew anything other than that and just never thought, you know, and I didn't know a lot of people who had adopted or who were adopted. So it just wasn't really like part of my everyday. And so I just always saw it as, you know, people who did, who had adopted children through church or whatever, and thought it was so beautiful, but just didn't think it was going to be part of our story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just am so grateful that God used infertility to bring us to our, this decision because yeah, I, I feel like I'm just always going to tell our son. And, you know, if we have any subsequent children through adoption that, you know, God closed mommy's belly. So we would find you, um, yeah. because it's just, it's the absolute truth. So yeah, always thought it was beautiful, but didn't think it was going to be part of our story. And then even as we, you know, moved through infertility, we pursued every treatment possible, um, to, um, 
you know, have the end result be pregnancy with a biological child. Um, just because pregnancy is always something that I've like wanted to experience. And, um, yeah, we just thought we would go down that road and kind of like take it to the end of the road. I mean, that's kind of what we always said was like, okay, we'll just keep going down this road until all the doors are shut. Um, and then we'll see what happens. And so I, yeah, it took me a while to get to adoption for sure. Um, I think you were more open to it. Jake was, you know, I guess more open, but he was just so kind and patient with my heart. And it's Mm -hmm. something that, you know, you would never want to enter into lightly. And it's never something to be seen as like a move in a game to get pregnant or something like, you know, unfortunately, and people are great and they say things because they want to be helpful and kind um, and because they just want to have something to say. But we had so many people say, well, you know, if you adopt your, you'll get pregnant. And it's like, Oh. you know it is yeah not, that is not it ah, and that's that like is- the advice to single people like just stop trying and you'll you'll meet somebody like, <laughs> yeah, yeah stupidest advice yeah what does that mean <laughs> yes yeah. so we you know i just knew that it was going through our infertility process and everything that we went through and we got to see the process of you know conceiving a child down to the tiniest detail. Like we, you know, we, Mm -hmm. we ended up doing three rounds of IVF. So we got to see like every piece of it in such tiny detail. And it, I think before we did it, we were like a little bit afraid it would take the miraculousness away from it. It would seem a little bit too scientific or whatever, but it was actually the opposite because we got to see it in such divine detail that we're like, wow, only God could come up with this. And only God could allow this to happen. So then, you know, we got to, it just made us realize even more and more like how precious babies are, how miraculous they really are. And so knowing that like, these are children's lives we're talking about, this isn't like a move in a game or anything like that. So just the gravity of adoption, we, we wanted to pursue it when we were ready. And so, yeah, we, we took our pregnancy journey as far as we could and, you know, God said no. And so we took a little bit of time off from all things, baby, um, had a little bit of, but how long, long, uh, did, did you try until you just were like, okay, we have to take a break. Yeah. Four years, I guess. Before we even started considering it. Yeah. Four years, four years of what's the proper word for like, struggle effort, you know, like, I feel like you had to be going through so much. Um, were you angry at times, uh, throughout it or what was, you know, what was going on in your heart? Cause I imagine it's gotta be really frustrating to, to, to want something so good. You know, it's, I mean, I was, this is not the same level at all, but I remember being single and watching friends get married. It's like, isn't like this, what God wants for us to get married, you know, and have, and like watching people get married seamlessly so easy. So for you, it's like, 16 year old girls are getting unwanted pregnancies and all these things that they, they, they aren't even ready for what was going on in your heart. And and maybe with what questions did you have for God or anger um, to see something like, this is kind of what you made us to do. And here we are good people trying to do the right thing and it's not coming up. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, Asha always kind of described it as almost like wandering in the wilderness. She like equated it to, yeah. you know, like, Exodus. I mean, it's just where you're just kind of stuck. You're almost like waiting for your life to start a little bit. Um, there were definitely times you could, if you let yourself, you get stuck in like this holding pattern. Like you weren't really, you know, it's, 
and we're not even really living the life that we're supposed to live. We're just waiting here for some reason. And, mm-hmm. and that can obviously breed anger and frustration and, you know, just kind of feeling isolated from, from where your story is. Cause yeah, we were, we started and, you know, getting involved in our church and we would see friends that uh, were also thinking about starting to have kids, but didn't have them yet. And then they would have, them, and then they'd have their second kid and then have their third kid. <laughs> and you and, guys were in Orlando and, and North Carolina, right at the time. Yeah. We were in yeah. North Carolina for a couple of years after we got married. Um, that's where my first job was. And then right. we moved back to Orlando. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so you guys are in like the South where it's like, people are popping out babies. <laughs> right, oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Right now. We yeah, had friends, really like hard. they said, I mean, it was like, we saw friends get pregnant with their first, their second, their third. And then we saw yeah. so many friends who like went through infertility as well. And would like, you know, we would lean on each other and it would be great. And then they would get pregnant, you know? So it was like, <laughs> yeah. we saw so many stories kind of come full, full circle and not ours. And yeah, of course, I mean, there were so many, it was, it was a weird roller coaster of emotions. I mean, at first it started out, I think is just like a complete denial of that. Mm-hmm. This is happening. I mean, for our first, so we started trying to get pregnant in like spring of 2014. Um, and so for like a year, we didn't tell a soul and it was just, I think kind of this denial, like this isn't happening. Like something, something weird is just going on. <laughs> and like, it's just going to move. So it's just, it's going to pass. Like it's fine. You know, yeah. just complete denial. And then for me, at least like it turned to just this deep shame, um, which mm. I think a lot of women who go through infertility feel that of just like complete This is what shame. I'm supposed to be able to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like what, what, what good am I, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then why do you think it, it, it feels so much like shame and not maybe disappointment? Just, you know, it's not like, Oh, I didn't get this job I wanted, but you feel like a sense of actual shame yeah. What, why, what's the difference there? What do you think? I guess because there's because so, there's this illusion. Sorry, that's our dog working. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think there's an element of like an illusion of control, and so uh, okay. it feels like okay, this must not be happening because I'm doing something wrong because wow. it's something that I'm doing. There's something wrong with my body. I'm not eating the right foods. I'm wearing my seatbelt too tight. I'm wearing skinny jeans. I'm yeah. not, you know, drinking green juice every day. I'm taking the wrong vitamins. I mean, there's just such mm. a pressure, I think. To, and like you said, yeah, I mean, it's it's like what women are supposed to be able to do, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, and through this, I just feel like I want to say this to any of your listeners, you know, being a mother is a wonderful thing. It is not like the end all be all of life. Just like you were talking about when you were single, like mm-hmm. being married is not the end all be all of life. Like, you know, it's right. there's so much joy to be found where right where you are. And, um, God has different stories for everybody. And so, sure. yeah. And so yeah, this, and there was a lot of disappointment and then there was just frustration and then anger. And then, after several years, I think it just kind of became this like dull ache and almost we like settled into it, which was so hard to feel like, okay, this is going to be our reality forever. I mean, that's, you know, there were so many times when it just was like, all right, I guess this is just, this is, this is what Mm -hmm. it is now. Um, Jake, what did, what were you feeling during this time, you know, as the husband, you know, you're trying to be supportive of your wife, but I imagine you probably had a lot of the same questions and, and struggles as well. Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it's an interesting struggle. And I have a, a good friend of mine who's kind of going, went through the same thing and they're actually still, you know, kind of working through it. Um, yeah, you kind of, I feel like a lot of times you end up almost pushing 
your feel or like I pushed my feelings aside a little bit, like almost just wouldn't come to grips with them yeah. uh, because like my first and foremost concern was just how she was struggling with it. Cause I just, it's different. Um, I feel like it is more of like a longing for something as the, um, as the husband, whereas Asha, you know, it was, it was all the physical things that, that came along with it. So, and just, uh, they're just different, there are different expectations put on moms and dads. Sure. So, uh, so yeah, I, my heart kind of was with her a lot. And there were definitely times where I probably even leaned more toward adoption or was more open to it, even selfishly, like, man, man this will bring it to a close quicker. Like this, will, this yeah. will bring the season to a close more quickly. And, um, so yeah, a lot of, I feel like a lot of weird emotions, but then, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I would constantly like dream about or think about, you know, like having a daughter, having a son and, yeah. um, you know, what that would mean for our family. So it's, it, it was a weird, weird experience. Definitely tough. Uh, the toughest part for me was definitely watching Asha have to just yeah. kind of struggle through it though. I think that's a typical struggle for husbands is that we always want to fix something like the lights broken. Actually two lights went out this week in my house. I'm like, what is going on? Uh, but you know, our, our natural inclination is to like, okay, something's not working. How can I fix it? And so you were, you were presented with an issue where you just can't fix it. Do you think though, that maybe like worked out in, in kind of a good way to start pulling you towards adoption? And, um, let's, let's jump to that story of, okay. So infertility, it's just not, it's not coming together. Okay, adoption. Jake, does Jake, Jake start pitching the idea of adoption, or at one point where you're like, okay, let's, all right, let's do it, let's go for it. I mean, uh, Asha kind of said, but like getting to the end of the road. So we, yeah. when we started the IVF process, like, I mean, just to get into like the science of it, you have a set number of at the end, you have a set number of like embryos after you go through the first time, and so we had enough to try uh, in vitro three times. Okay. And we were like, we were all in. We were like, look, obviously it didn't work out the first time. The first time failed. We we're like, obviously it's going to work out one of the next two times. Like, it's just how it happens. It's, you know, it's pretty science. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it didn't. And then it didn't. And we got to that end. And like Asha said, we kind of just sat there for a little while. And can, can I, I ask think, how long, how long is that process of three embryos? So we did, um, we started the IVF process in like January of 2018 and they have to like kind of prepare my body, get the eggs, fertilize the eggs, and then they wait to see, um, which ones turn into like viable embryos. And then I, we had, so they call it a transfer when you like, when the embryo is like, you know, placed into my uterus and it's not an implantation because they have no control over whether this embryo is going to make a cozy home in your uterus. You know, all they're doing is transferring it in and hoping for the best. Mm -hmm. Um, so the the transfer, our first one happened in April of 2018. The second one was in July and the third one was in October. Okay. Um, So so you kind of, you know, it was like you transfer and then you wait a couple weeks you know, take the pregnancy test and then yeah. you kind of let your body reset for a month and then you kind of start with preparing your body again and then you do the transfer, gotcha. you know, it's just, yeah. One of those gotcha. things. So okay. Really consumed our whole, yeah. 2018 was yeah. consumed by that. Um, yeah. And then two months really to just kind of sit with it, two months to kind of sit with like the pain and the loss of it not working out. Uh, yeah. which, that was, it really wasn't until December that we t- started talking in any real detail about adoption. We had hinted at it, but it just kind of came to a head where we said, like, we are either, our decision was we are either selling our house <laughs> and moving to New York and just being 
people that don't have kids living in New York and just do that since we lived in the South our whole life. Yeah. Crazy. Or we're going to start the journey to adoption. And it was like, we're doing something adventurous (laughs) and it's either going to be New York or we're starting the adoption. (laughs) I like it. We almost moved to New York as well. We would have been funny if we were up there sometime, but we like Brittany got offered a job and they were launching an an office in New York is out of San Francisco and we kept like playing like all the numbers. And then we were like, all right, the only way we're going to know if we can do this is if we take the kid up there and Violet was five months old at the time, four months old. And it's just such a trek to get up there. And then we got into midtown Manhattan on Halloween night, like idiots. And, like, so people are walking by in capes and stuff. We're like, are these just normal New Yorkers or people dressed? Up? <laughs> but I saw Brittany, like the moment she got off the, the train, like gripping the stroller. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's yeah. Not the place for parents. Um, yeah, we really were like, we need an adventure. And so we were yeah. set, and we were like looking up apartments. We were like, this is going to be amazing. Like we're going to live in the city. And I yeah. remember one night we were sitting out and it was, you know, it was Christmas. So we're like in the light of the Christmas tree and just kind of having this heart to heart. And the way, you know, Jake posed the question, just like, it takes me, I can go back to that moment right now. And it brings me to tears. Is like, he was like, do, okay, do we want adventure for adventure's sake? Or like, do we want the adventure of parenthood? You know, this thing that wow. we have been moving toward. And it just, it was like in that moment, it was so clear that yes, adoption is absolutely our next step. I mean, that's what we want. We want to be parents, you know, we want to have a legacy in that way. And so we, we kind of decided on it. And the next morning I woke up with just, I feel like it was just this truth from God of, you know, I may never get to experience pregnancy, but I will experience motherhood. And just this confirmation in my heart that like, you're going to be a mom, like you are going to be a mom. This, this deepest desire of your heart will be met. Um, and it was just such sweet confirmation. So yeah, we, we, got our adventure. That's for sure. (laughs) So December, 2018, you guys make the decision. We're going to start down the road towards adoption. Yep. Then what was the next steps? What's How's that process go? You start looking at, so we narrowed it down to a couple agencies, um, and ended up, we talked with, we went to like, a. it was almost like a little class seminar type thing for one of them. The other one, we got a call from who the person that would eventually become our agent. Um, and she just kind of talked us through everything. And I think after that phone call, we, we knew we were like, all right, we're going with her. Like she was mm-hmm. just, she was so knowledgeable. She was so like just calm and um, wise and just gave us advice in addition to, you know, just recommendations and things like that. So we were like, all right, we're rolling with you. Uh, it was night like Christian, Christian adoptions that we went mm-hmm. with and, um, then it was really, then you're basically audited for like <laughs> two months. I mean, you got to do yeah. everything from wow. how you were raised, how you were disciplined, um, wow. what you did as a kid, what you did as an adult, what you your have finances to get are. Physicals. Physicals. You have to give all of your financial information. Oh, yeah. We had to get wow. like vaccinated. <laughs> like we had, I mean, it is wow. a complete vetting. Yeah it, yeah, it really is. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. And then you just basically go to school. You go to like (laughs) parenting school. You read a bunch of books. You got to watch a bunch of videos, take a bunch Mm -hmm. of classes. So yeah, then it was, it was, it wasn't until we were not a waiting family eligible to be selected by a birth mother until April. Mm -hmm. So from January to April, it took us three months. The home study is 
that whole entire process. You know, sometimes when you say home study, people think of like the actual like home visit when they come and like check out your home, which is part of it too. But, mm-hmm. um, the home study is, is all of that in its entirety. It's basically you doing all of this work for the state to say, okay, we see you as fit to adopt a child, you know, that was not born to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And that was the logistical part of adoption was the part that's just was so scary to me. Um, so if anyone is listening and you're considering adoption or not considering it because you feel scared, I totally get it. And I mean, that is the role of the agency, which is amazing. So, you know, we got to the end of the process and it's, it's not cheap, but I will say, I mean, it was worth every penny and more because you don't have to know all the logistics. You don't have to know like, what form do I fill out? You know, how do I take a baby from the hospital? You know, it just seems so daunting, but that's why the agency is there. And um, Megan, our guardian angel, you know, guiding light through the whole process, our social worker, she was just incredible. And yeah, we can't say enough amazing things about our agency. So the agency, they work to connect you with where the, the children are available through the adoption or the they work with itself, birth they, mothers. They yes. Mother. So, okay. and then, yes. So the agency, we love our agency because they, they are like a ministry to birth mothers. I feel like their birth moms mm-hmm. come first. I mean, they, they love their birth mothers and their expectant, you know, the waiting families, but the ministry but, is definitely to the birth. Yes, I mean, it's yes. like you are their part of the ministry is then eventually pairing or, you know, pairing, parents that want or people that want to be parents with birth mothers and giving them options to select from okay. the, but they take you know i mean it's birth mothers they work them through you know therapy yeah. um you know just guidance they're mm-hmm. they're helping them with any like, you know even bills like i mean it's Health. it's like a wow. end-to-end work through their pregnancy keep them on the right track yeah. um and they're not like it's not like even a pressure thing like you know pushing them to adopt it's yeah it's helping them through if that's the, you know, the route that they want to go. Um, and th- I mean, they are, they support these birth moms and these women like for life. Yeah. If a birth mother yeah, comes back in 20 years and says, you know, I'm struggling that she has access to counseling and awesome. they will take care of her, you know? So amazing. yes, it's so neat to see that part of it. Um, so, so you work with this agent, do they, and you, you've gone through all the classes, all the auditing, uh, do they start saying like, Hey, there's a mother located in some state they're looking at adoption. Do you, how's that process play out from there? And, and, you know, what, what led us to when you finally adopted your son? Mm -hmm. So you fill out, um, a form that's part of the home study to, um, our agency called it like a, a child preferred form. And that sounds, um, it's kind of weird. And, um, it, it has nothing to do with like, oh, I want a boy with, you know, green eyes and black hair. Like yeah. it has nothing to do with that. It's more level of comfort with um, things like, you know, birth mother, birth fathers, like history of like maybe medical history or um, family history of mental health issues or addiction, you know, substance abuse, that sort of thing. Just kind of saying like, yes, we are comfortable, you know, with this level of that, or, you know, we're, we're not comfortable with this, you know, just because, you know, not everyone is, is called to adopt a child with special needs or, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just, there are so many factors. Um, and that was a really, really hard part of the process to fill that out because you of course want to say, yes, I'm comfortable with everything, but 
are you really, you know, it's like, whew, that was, yeah, that was a hard part. Yeah. Um, but again, the agent and the agency, they are so wonderful and wise in kind of like walking you through mm-hmm. that and, and truly being honest, you know, with yourself and yeah. It, so that, whew, that's a big part of it. Um, <laughs> but so you have this form, so they will show your profile book. So we made a book. It's like a little shutterfly book that basically just like mm-hmm. talks about you. And then we actually end up making the little video too of just talking to the camera, kind of introducing ourselves Mm -hmm. and our life. Um, and if a birth mother matches everything on your child preferred form, um, if y'all, you know, line up exactly. And the birth mothers get to fill out a parent preferred form. You know, they may say, we want a family who lives in Florida at the beach, or, you Mm -hmm. know, we want a family who is Jewish or, you know, we, want a family who has a lot of dogs. Like, I don't know the, you know, birth mothers get to choose based on mm-hmm. whatever they want okay. as well. Um, so if you match everything that the birth mother wants and the birth mother matches everything that you, you know, are comfortable with, then they just show your profile book and they don't tell you because the agency doesn't want to tell you every time your profile book is being shown because yeah. that would be hard to know. Oh, yeah. like, okay. Someone's looking at me and then yeah. they don't choose you and you are like, Oh man, what's wrong with me? You know? So, you know, they show your profile book in that way. But if there's a birth mother that say she basically everything lines up, but maybe there's one thing and they're on the form. There are certain things you can say willing to discuss. Like you don't just say yes or just say no. You can say, okay, I'm willing to, to see what the situation is. Like I kind of want to see on a case by case basis, you know, in this instance. So there were a couple things on the form that we put willing to discuss. And so in that case, our agent would say, Hey, here's a birth mom who, you know, here's the situation. She would send us her details. Do you want us to show her your profile book? And I think that happened to us three or four times. Mm -hmm. And there were two that we ended up saying, no, um, you know, I don't know that that would be a good fit. Um, and then there were two, I guess, two or three that we said, yes, please show our book. And those did not work out. So that was hard, um, to know because, yeah, we were like, okay, this has to be it, right? You know, yeah, exactly. Like you were getting a glimpse of. Oh yeah, like oh, we're we're showing her our book. Like, Mm -hmm. not that we think we're such great people, but it just was like, okay, now's the time. Like, and (laughs) the thing about a home study is it only lasts for a year. So you basically have to get re-upped, re-audited every year because your life situation can change. You know, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, your financial situation, your health, your families that, you know, whatever it is, it can change within a year. So we became a waiting family in April. So we knew we only had basically until the next April, um, before before you have to start. Yeah. Yeah. Before we had to decide like, okay, are we going to go through this whole process again? So in January of 2020, early, early in the year, um, we had one of those situations where a birth mom was looking at us and we were told like, okay, you're kind of in her top two or three. And we're like, okay, yay, this is it, you know? (laughs) And then she ultimately went with a different family. So we were, we were done at that point in January of 2020, we were Mm. back to New York. We were honestly like, okay, clearly that's what we should have done from the 
start. We are, we're just waiting out this last like couple months of our home study. Like, let's just get it over with. I describe it as, um, feeling like our story was sour milk, like, because in all of those months, so now we're up to almost, you know, six years or whatever of the whole process. It felt like our story was hard, but there was good coming out of it. There was a lot of goodness. I mean, in our marriage and in our relationships with God and our friendships and our community, you know, there was so much good being squeezed out of this really, really hard story. But in January of 2020, it was like, it's done. The goodness is done. Like it's sour, it's stale, it's expired. Our story just felt like sour milk. And, um, yeah. So we were like, okay, let's just wait it out. We, this isn't going to happen. So back to New York, we go. Um, <laughs> Which would have put us in moving to New York during the pandemic. Yep. Was, right. Yeah. In March yeah. or April. So uh, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. We had the, we had the same thought. We were like, we would have moved up there and then just basically sold everything and moved back and been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, and then on January 12th, our agent called and this whole time in, um, in our waiting time of, um, adoption, we had asked our agent not to call us unless it was like the call. We had told her, you know, Hey, if you have a question or whatever, can you just text first? Because if we yeah. see your name pop up on the phone, we're going to be like, ha, ha, you know? Um, <laughs> so I was driving down I four on January 12th, um, a Sunday afternoon and her name popped up on my phone. But like I said, we were so done at that point that it didn't even register Mm. that her name was popping up on my phone. It was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Megan's calling. I don't know. Something must be wrong. I'm sure she's got more bad news for us. Um, (laughs) so I answered the phone and she just says, this is your call. This is the call. Oh my God. While you're driving. Yeah. While I'm on my (laughs) four, you know, like, what? Yeah. Almost crashed the car. I just like, Jake wasn't with me. I was headed out of town to a friend's wedding reception, um, by myself. So I'm like, okay, let me, let me get, let me get Jake on the phone. So I like, you know, three-way him in Mm -hmm. and he didn't know what was happening. So I was trying not to like ruin the surprise. I wanted him to also hear her say like, this is the call. So I just answered and I said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's like, what? Like he, (laughs) it was like a panic. Where were you at? Where were you at? Jake? I was just, I was about to do like, I was about to cut the grass or something. (laughs) I'm probably not cutting the grass. It was January. I was going to do something outside. (laughs) Um, but yeah, Asha's like, all of a sudden I get this call and I'm, you know, Hey, what's going on? She's like, hold on, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. She's like, wait. And I, so I'm thinking like, all right, she's clearly crashed the car that she yeah. let it come Yeah, on. she's, she's handing she's, the phone to the cop. She's <laughs> run someone over, like something horrible. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, Megan comes on and she's like, this is your call. And I'm like, who is this? Like, what? <laughs> like, why is the sheriff telling me that this is my call? I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So. Then it kind of, yeah, I realized. I'm I think, like, it's Megan, it's Megan. Yeah, I think uh, I just like, hit the floor. I mean, yeah. just like, uh, you know, it, it took, hmm. I remember like Asha's drive home. I mean, it was like surreal. It just kind of all these, the years just kind of come flooding back and oh, yeah. start to think like, man, is this like, you, you kind of get a little fearful too. Cause there's, mm-hmm. you know, when you've lived in, when you've, I mean, and there were like, I feel like we always have to say there were so many good times and like the, five years we were going through this and just you're almost like forced into proximity with God and those when whenever you're kind of struggling through something like that yeah. uh, so there were so many like great times but it was like five years of constant disappointment like recurring disappointment yeah um so you're almost like conditioned for it 
So then you almost have to fight back the fear that, all right, is this, is this just another yeah. like seemingly good thing that will end in disappointment and a long line of seemingly good things that will end in yeah. disappointment. Yeah. So definitely had to battle that. It was a weird time, but then, yeah, like when Asha got home, we, we kind of like, you know, obviously it was, it was great having her like, back, really, like hugging each yeah. other. We couldn't believe what had happened. And yeah. um, then it was like down to logistics. We had, uh, when we got the call, it was, whatever, like two o'clock or something like that, one o'clock. And, um, they said, you know, she's on the way to the hospital. So we're like, Oh, so wow. Okay. Oh, like this is a baby that's like about to be born. She was in labor at that point. So like Jake said about this kind of being conditioned for disappointment, it is so true. We got the call of this is your call. Like there's a baby boy and he's about to be born in Texas. And, you know, they told us a little bit about the birth mom and, um, you know, she's in labor. So, Hmm. 45 minutes later, we got another call from Megan. I see Megan saying pop up on my phone and immediately both of us were like, okay, she's changed her mind. I mean, that was, that's just what our first thought was because like you said, that's just what had happened over and over and over and over. And so we're like, okay, like we're kind of bracing ourselves for like, all right, it's okay. Like, you know, that it wasn't it, but that's okay. And, um, instead her phone call was he's here. (laughs) She had called he'd been born. (laughs) Um, and then they immediately sent us a picture. The birth mom, um, was like, I want, I want them to see him, you know, right away. Wow. So did, you, did, picture. did you know it was a boy before they called? Just and said that boy? moment. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Cause we, so our wow. birth mom, um, she, I guess checked all of our boxes, you know? So it was one of the situations where we didn't know she was looking at our profile book. So we had no idea. So it's the- literally like a stork drops a baby on your doorstep out of nowhere except the story accidentally threw it four (laughs) states over in Texas. it's like (laughs) it's like your lost luggage on an airline (laughs) wow so just that so you you're driving to a wedding reception you're about to do something outside all of a sudden oh there's a human being in your life like now i don't know you have a son right turns and that was megan had like warned us about that the whole time she had said like you know, there's so many like great things that come out of this, obviously, but you have to be prepared. Like sometimes you will find out three months in advance and you'll have time to build a nursery and do all of these things. Um, she's like, sometimes I may give you a call and say like, you need to get on a plane. And Mm -hmm. we were like, man, wouldn't that be crazy? And you don't really think about it. Mm -hmm. But then, I mean, we literally booked a flight to Waco, Texas at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday for the next morning, Monday, I'm calling my boss (laughs) and I'm saying like, Hey, you know, don't broadcast this yet because in, in Texas, just like yet, in Florida, yeah. there's a 48 hour window where the, the birth mom has to wait 48 hours before she can officially sign over. Right? Oh, really? Um, oh gosh. Yeah. So, it's, it's, so it has to happen then. So I'm telling my boss like, Hey, you know, I might be gone for two days. I might be gone for two weeks. Like I, I really don't know now, but I'm not going to be at work tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and so we got on a plane, we flew to Waco. We, fitted a hotel room to bring a baby into it <laughs> so i mean <laughs> we, we, went to your, it. Yeah, we had to go buy a car seat clothes like wow because sure you probably hadn't been prepping your home that much after all the disappointments no. we had done yeah, we, we had, had a room it. We, we knew what room would be the nursery, but yeah. for my heart, like we just, yeah, we couldn't yeah, you got to imagine looking at to that. Be, yeah. To walk by a nursery all every time we, we had nothing. Wow. Yeah. Man. So when did you go get to hold him for the first time and see him that, that next day? 
We actually, so Sunday afternoon is when he was born. So 48 hours later, put us at Tuesday afternoon. And that's when she was able to like legally sign everything, um, which, yeah. Mm. So that 48 hours was hard. Um, yeah. So you had, you didn't see him in that window of 48 hours. We didn't. Hours. So she, her, our birth mother's request was like, she wanted to meet us first. And she, then she wanted to like see our reaction of meeting him. Wow. So she wanted to be there to kind of have that. You know. Tell us about that moment of, of meeting the birth mother. <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, she, you never know, like going into anything with adoption. And we definitely had, you know, Asha probably in particular had some fears because yeah. you just don't know. You know I mean, you're yeah. like, you're, what's it going to feel like? Is it going to feel like we're taking someone else's baby? Oh yeah. Is, is that person going to be, are we going to live a life where someone is going to be like pressuring us to to give him back. Like we, you just don't know. Right. You have these kind of irrational fears. And sure. Um, so it was, it was, I remember standing, I can like picture us standing outside the room where we were about to go in and meet her, uh, man. Um, and just yeah. feeling like you're excited. You're, I was terrified. I mean, this is a, she's, you know, a young girl. So it's not like, but I mean, yeah. I, I was terrified. I was terrified to go in there. I didn't <laughs> see what she looked like. And yeah, I mean, we ended up talking with her for about an hour and it was the most incredible. Yeah. I mean, she was, for someone her age, you know, in college, she was so wise and so like you know, gracious mature, and soft-spoken yeah. and mature and um, was just like, like somehow through the craziness that she had gone through was, was like so excited for us. And, you know, mm. she just mentioned how from the time she got pregnant, uh, she knew this was going to be like her opportunity to give like a a forever gift to somebody. Wow. That's amazing. You're just like, how do you like, I remember what I was like in college. I was an idiot. Like I (laughs) certainly would not have been thinking like that. Yeah. Like the wherewithal to think like that. So, I mean, we just had this, I mean, I I can't even, I I mean, it was crazy. It was just the the most surreal, uh, unbelievable experience that I just feel like the only way I can describe it is like, God had to like handpick that relationship. And sure. I mean, for like we knew we were like forever, you know, she is, she is, you know, kind of part of our family, like whatever, yeah. whatever that looks like going forward. I mean, so it was, it was do pretty you, amazing. Yeah. Do you, do you stay in contact with her? Is that what, or is it almost like you, you parted ways or how does that? Well, we do have an open adoption. I mean, just as years have gone by, you know, all research shows that it's so much healthier for a child, um, to have this full picture of where they come from instead of it being this secretive thing. And then you drop a bomb on a 13 year old, you know, and then they struggle, you know, struggle with that their whole lives. Um, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. So our adoption is open, but our agency, they kind of their um, advice in that is to kind of let the birth mother like set the tone for what that relationship will look like. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, everyone grieves in a different way and everyone feels differently about it. Every birth mother comes to the decision sure. to place her child for adoption through a different you know, reasoning and circumstance. And so, um, our birth mother, like Jake said, she had kind of always seen this child as a gift for someone else. And, um, yeah, so, she, we reach out, you know, on like, like on her birthday or just randomly she'll text us, but yeah, we have each other's phone numbers and addresses. And, so she gets to see him growing and, and yeah, if she wants to, you know, yeah, as much as she wants. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, 
So and we actually are in touch with her mom as well. So his birth. Oh, that's great. Who, you know, likes to see <laughs> pictures sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Well, now let's talk about the, the moment you get to meet your boy. <laughs> what was that like? It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. so surreal. Yeah, I bet. Got, like, a four block picture. It shows like us looking at him and then Asha holding him and then Asha handing him to me and then me holding him. Uh, which mm. were just, so we had a nurse that was in there with us that like recorded she the was whole amazing. thing. We didn't she even really ask her. Yeah. She, just, she just did it, which yes. thank God, because I mean, your mind is yeah, bet. at that point. And, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, that moment was amazing. It was so perfect. Um, you just, again, it's just like all this kind of like flood of emotions of just like everything that led up to that. Mm. And, and then you just, you can't really believe it. I mean, you know, usually, and I, I can't speak from experience, but I would imagine when you have nine months leading up to, you know, the birth of a child, you, you're kind of maybe, I'm sure you can't be prepared for it. You could probably tell me, but you know, <laughs> you, you've kind of been expecting it. I mean, our, the, you know, our pregnancy was, was 48 hours. Yeah, um, exactly. Everything changes. And so it was, I mean, it was amazing the the funny thing is and you know we would tell this to anybody that just asks it does feel like you took someone else's baby home from the hospital <laughs> it I feels do. surreal it's like you're it's it's the ultimate battle between your head and your heart because like our hearts knew like oh this is our child you know you have this love for this baby but yeah i think just just like logistically for real, you know, your mind is kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't know that kid. He doesn't know you. That's the lady who <laughs> right. just, you know, birthed him. What are you doing? You know, it just, it's like your and mind. He looks like her. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like her. He doesn't so look it's like kind her. of bizarre. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was definitely very surreal. I mean, and I've heard from friends who have, you know, biological children. They're like, oh yeah, it's kind of that same feeling. Cause you're like, wait, 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 wait. I don't know. Yeah. You. you know, it is that feeling of like, you're just kind of yeah. Meeting this person for the first time. So yes, when we got back to the hotel room, I mean, I had to take a second of like, okay, head, heart, catch up here. Like we whew, get it together, get on the same page because yeah. I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember when our daughter was born, it, there's an element of like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, like every it's chaos, you know, everybody's in the room and stuff. And then they wheel her in on a, like a little dessert tray, you know, like it looks like, and these are our cupcakes. These are cheese the baby on top wheeling in and everybody had left. And it was just Brittany and I in the room. And then the baby was asleep. And then, you know, like an hour later, the baby woke up and it was like, I guess I pick it up. I don't you know. Like, so for you guys, you know, all of that mixed in with, like you said, it, this is, happened in 48 hours um that's just unreal so did you feel an instant connection is it something that's grown i mean every parent it grows and grows and grows but uh you know i thought that was really interesting what you said you jake where you're like yeah we're taking someone else's baby i've, I've not heard it said like that before um and i appreciate your honesty in that um did it what what's going on like i i, I assume it's like well, there's this reality of like, yeah, this isn't our baby, but this new reality that it is our baby. How yeah. do those meet? How do you even process that? How long did it take to process that? I, I you're still processing. It took, yeah, no, <laughs> it, took it, it, it maybe like that day. I think when we woke up the next morning, well, we I, didn't wake up because we didn't sleep we all didn't night. Sleep we were all watching, was, we're like literally just watching him. We're like staring at him. I was terrified to move too much or whatever. Yeah. But I can like, remember holding him like my feet were up on the windowsill looking at him. Again, we're in a hotel room, which is also funny. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Bring a baby back to a hotel room. But I think just doing the mundane things like changing diapers, feeding them. 
I had, I was actually told by one of my bosses when I was talking to him, they were like, there's nothing better than like, you know, looking into a newborn's eye, like your newborn's eyes when you're feeding them, like giving mm-hmm. them a bottle or whatever. And just little mundane things like that. I mean, you go from, you go from like wanting a baby so bad. And then in the moment it just being crazy. And then, yeah, the ride back to the hotel, we're just like, like our lives are different. This is nuts. And you're kind of fearful. Right. And then all of a sudden, like you almost like forget what your life was like before. Mm-hmm. So I think it took it lived that next morning. It was just like, this is it. Like, this is, this is that baby that we've been, you know, looking, waiting for feeling like we were promised. Yeah. Um, uh, wow. It was crazy. Yeah. So then, and then we had, we had two weeks and wait, so you can't actually exit the state until like paperwork is done. Like interstate oh, okay. work has to be completed to take a adopted child out of the state of Texas. Wow. And so we kind of had like a incubation period for That's two wonderful. weeks yeah. where it was just us. We knew nobody. We, we moved from the hotel. We yeah, got an we got Airbnb. We got into an Airbnb. <laughs> yeah. And just the three of us, really. I mean, her she had some family come visit for a day. My parents came for like a day and a half. Mm. But the rest of it was just us sitting in a house with, with JP and just kind of getting to know each yeah, other. It was the wow. sweetest gift that time in Waco where it was just the three of us. And it was so sweet. And yeah, like you said, like, where does that reality of this not being our child, but being our child, like, where does that mean? I feel like the way I described it to our adoption agent the next day was that, you know, there had always been this like seed of love for a baby, like planted in my heart. I didn't know what baby that was going to be, who that was going to be. But then as soon as you meet him, like it opens up and it starts to grow and then it just grows like exponentially. I mean, just so fast. And so, yeah, I mean, that that was, that was our son. That was my baby. And, you know, I'm his mom, like, yeah, like Jake said, I mean, I think that reality really sunk in like that next morning. So we got to take him home about six o'clock at night. And then, yeah, Mm -hmm. by the time the sun rose that next day, it was like, wow. Okay. This is real. This is our reality. And this is everything we had been waiting for. Every moment had been Mm -hmm. leading toward not just a baby, but this baby. Yeah. Looking back at, you know, the, the six years it took to get there, in, in light of holding JP now, and, and he's what over, he's one in a year and a month. Yep. So yeah, thirteen. Yeah. Months. Mm-hmm. So you know what? What do you see any dots connect that along the way that God things that God was working out for you, and maybe things are are you view them a little differently than you did, you know, in the moment. I, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty in a sense. But what what it, what paths do you see that that you didn't see in the moment that you maybe see now? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's always, you know, looking back, your perspective is so much clearer. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of, it's hard to see some of that stuff when you're kind of in the moment, but yeah, like I I think, I think it's, you know, biblical that God, God will, you know, basically promises that he will find ways to, you know, to get to your heart. Like if you're, if you love him, he will find ways to get to your heart. And um, yeah, I mean this, like I said, this, this kind of forced proximity, to him. And, and really, I think the, it's, it's hard to even like connect it. Like he was necessarily always steering us to adoption. I think he was more like, you know, constantly steering us to just to him, to himself, like just, you know, into closer relationships. So, and I think sometimes that's, that's probably, he probably does that in a bunch of different ways, but in this way, it was, you know, through something that we desired so badly yeah. Um, I mean, we were really just trying to, 
take the next step. Like we didn't have this master plan. We, if you'd have told us at the beginning, like, Oh, you'll have a kid, but it's going to take six years or whatever. Like yeah. that would have been pretty, that'd have been pretty crushing. Like, what are we going to do for six years? But yeah. you just kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other and, um, guiding our steps. And we just kind of took life as it came a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was, it was that's where it's almost hard. Like, I don't know that he was necessarily drawing that path to adoption. It was more just, you know, I'll, I'll lead you where I'm going to lead you. And cause like there was, there were so many good things that came out of those five years, um, mm-hmm. on top of all the, the struggle and the heartache. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We've talked about New York. Uh, there's a, there's a term I use a lot uh, that I got from this book called made to stick. It's called the, the Sinatra test they call it. And it's this idea of uh, Sinatra sings in New York, New York. If I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. And so they talk about like, if you can do this, you could probably do that. And so, you know, this Sinatra test for you guys was the six years of this struggle and drawing close to God. What, what that, have you seen anything that you learned along those ways uh, prepare you for, you know, even a year like 2020 has been hard. Cause I, I think, I want to, I want listeners to know, like, you know, that God uses these, these things we go through, not just for, cause he's a torture, torturous God, but for yeah. our own good. So what have you seen maybe that, that if you had not gone through it, you've gone through, and then you were placed into a moment or, or a challenge that you might not have handled the same way. What, what grew in you and, and what prepared you maybe through that, that hard time? Oh yeah. We just saw, you know, the faithfulness of God and the kindness and goodness and his abundance. And that, like you said, it's not like he does things for, you know, just for fun or to torture us or because he's Mm -hmm. forgotten about us. I mean, truly God's end goal for every story is ultimate joy is our ultimate joy, fullness of joy, this full and, you know, abundant joy in our hearts. And so we just saw, just the redemptive power of God that it, you know, he can truly redeem anything. And, you know, some people will say, you know, people say like, Oh, every bit was worth it or whatever. Like, I think a better way to say that is like, he made it matter. Like, yes, there are Mm. really, really hard things, but he made every moment matter by redeeming it at the end with this gift that was just above and beyond anything we could have imagined. Our wildest dreams could not even hold a candle to how wonderful this reality that he had planned for us was. Um, And so, yeah, just getting to know God's faithfulness in that way, I feel like has just kind of bolstered us up, you know, and I'm sure there will be times in our lives again, down the road where we will encounter hard things and we will despair and we will not remember his faithfulness, but at least right now we come back to joy so quickly. Like if things are down, you know, it's like, Oh yes. But like, look what God did here. And remember, you know, it just kind of builds your faith when you have these things to look back on and reminders of his faithfulness. So yeah, just getting to um, see that in such a big way Mm -hmm. kind of impacts, you know, the rest of your life, how you view things and even, with 2020, you know, being such a crazy year. And, um, it's kind of a year that I think like exposed so much of our individual hearts and then our hearts as a nation and as a world. Mm -hmm. Um, but that kind of is what we saw throughout our waiting period too, that it was like just terrible. And, you know, all this yuck came out of us, but God was doing this exposing in order to heal and, um, you know, redeem. And so we even, I feel like 
got to view 2020 in that light where we're like, okay, yes, there is a lot of bad, but it is for a purpose. Like mm-hmm. God is going to make all of this matter because that's yeah. what he does. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like taking advantage of the season too. Yeah. So it's, cause there, I mean, there's just, there's just, there's perspective and there's a uh, different kind of joy. And like I said, just kind of closeness and clarity that you can only really get with brokenness and struggle. Mm. Um, and if you don't take advantage of it, you'll miss it. I mean, there's plenty of lessons to be learned in really joyful, happy, easy times. There's, there's yeah. probably even more to learn when you're, you feel a little isolated. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that was kind of the big thing is that you just can't, you can't miss any season cause there's just, there's growth and opportunity regardless of what's going sure. on. And our okay. system, like we learned that our situation is not unique. Like you kind of feel like yeah. you feel like you're the only person going through this. And then you just talk to other people that are going through it. And yeah, just, I feel like it, you know, so it was definitely a lot of great lessons. I think it's something that has just made us probably not even like better people is that it's just given us a different perspective. That was good to kind of round us out yeah. as individuals. And I think, yeah, like Jake said, I mean, I think going through struggle really gives you compassion um, for other people who are struggling, even if it's not with the same situation that you are, but just, you know, everybody has their own struggle. And so you just, your heart is kind of tender to that. And so that's always a good thing to have compassion. Well, I love what you guys both said and you both, Ashi, you specifically said redemption and Jake, you hinted on like this idea of things coming together. I think uh, sometimes when we're in these moments of, of struggle or question, we're like, why did God plan it like this? Or why do you pick? And I don't know if it's necessarily God's like, and I've therefore decided that you're not going to be able to have a baby. And you know, it's like, it's not like this, we live in a fallen world. There's just, there's just heartbreak all around, but to know that we can lean on a God that's going to say, yeah, you will have troubles and tribulations, but I've overcome the world. I'm the redeemer. And to take these, these horrible, hurtful things and find some good in them. And I love what the birth mother said of like, yeah, I think I was, this is just, I was meant to have this child for you. It's just such a beautiful way to wrap up. And I think it's, I mean, as you guys were sharing the story, I'm just like, only God, like that's the only thing I keep thinking. Yeah. Yes. How else could this have come together? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you guys uh, sharing your story with everybody, and yeah. uh, it's it's powerful. And uh, I mean, I was tearing up <laughs> the whole time through it. So. Uh, real quick, though, I want to take a second. Asha, you you have a new ministry that you're starting. Um, it's, it's speaking. It's it's uh, building up. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh goodness. Oh yeah. I love words, so I love to write, and I just like to, you know, talk about. God's goodness and faithfulness Mm. and joy and um, our journey to get to that ultimate joy. And so, yeah, I just, I started a little Instagram account, um, Asha June O and um, kind of feeling it out, enjoying writing. And I, I say it's words and hope and words about hope. So um, it's great. Yeah, it's been, it's been a fun thing. <laughs> okay, I'll put a link to that on there. You guys should follow her. Lots of encouraging words and, and just sharing your heart through along the way. And um, I think it's great. So, well, thank you guys so much for being on the show. And uh, hopefully talk to you soon. Good luck, uh, you know, as a parent of a toddler. Yeah. Stay strong. <laughs> of course, thank appreciate you. it. Thank you yeah. so much.